Welcome to the National Women's Fitness Academy podcast. We're here to talk about women's health, female hormones, body image, and all things health and fitness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Women's Fitness Academy podcast. I am your host, Ellen. I am an educator for Women's Fitness Academy and also a binge eating and body image coach. And today I am here with a very, very special guest, someone that I know from Bondi, probably one of the first people I met when I moved here. Um, And this guest and I, we actually connected through social media, which I feel like I I get a lot of my friends from social media. Um, But the amazing Jen Biles, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. This is your first ever podcast, right? It's my first ever podcast. So um, yeah, I'm excited to have a chat and share everything with everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So before we get into too much of what you're going through at the moment, can you just talk a little bit about yourself? Um, like you're obviously you tra- are you the manager at your gym or yeah, you- yeah. So I'm general manager. Yeah, yeah. So how how like where are you from? How old are you? What's your yeah. background in training? I'll go into it. So um, <laughs> I'm 37 years old now. Um, so I'm pretty late coming into the fitness industry, I would say. Um, I've only been, I think it's coming up four years now. Um, so pre- that's, I suppose, later. It was later in my 30s. Um, before fitness, I worked in uh, commercial real estate, so in the corporate world, um, and decided it's, you know, loved it, loved the people, but I just really wanted to help people. So um, I was going to a group training facility back then in Melbourne and I loved it. I had made some great friends. So I decided, hey, this could be something that's for me. So um, I looked into getting my Cert 3 and then I started managing the gym that I was going to. So quit my corporate job, started managing the gym, got my Cert 3, Um yeah, and then I ended up moving to Sydney because um, that whole pandemic happened in Melbourne and it wasn't <laughs> as much fun. So, um, yeah, first things first, yeah, I started managing like an F45, um, met some great friends there, really enjoyed um, my time there um, and then moved over to the Northern Beaches only in May where I started general manager of the Cube Gym, which is um, a really huge uh, group training facility but also PT, Pilates, like so it's a big community um, and that's what I really love is being able to get in there and help people. Yeah, it's such a cool gym and it's massive space <laughs> as well. Yeah, And uh, like anyone who... Like even if they just check you out on social media, if you, they see you walking down the street or anything, like they can see that you're like a really thick girl. You really push hard in the gym, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I guess that's why like I wanted to reach out to you from like when I first moved here as well. I was like, oh, this girl, she really like she likes to train hard, and she looks like she's someone who who I would get along with. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, you train hard, so I think that's why we get yeah. along. <laughs> yeah. Get in there and get it done. That's that's it. That's it. Um, so. Yeah, you've obviously been in the fitness industry now for like almost almost 10 years and been training on and off. Um, but earlier this year, you were faced with quite a difficult um, result from the doctors. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that process? Yeah, so um, I've always been 
active my whole life, I guess, really sporty, um, no health issues. Like I wouldn't say I've rarely been to the doctor. If anything, it's like physio from injuries or anything like that. <laughs> Can't relate to that. So, yeah. Um, it was, I was actually in June, end of June this year was diagnosed with um, metastatic breast cancer. So a huge shock, um, having no history in the family, no, um, yeah, no health problems prior. Mm. Um, so definitely was not something I was prepared for. Um, and that's something that I, I suppose you reaching out to want to talk about this is because I was so fit, so active. It comes to a shock, not just to me, but to everyone. It's like, well, how can it be? Mm. Um, and also, I suppose, to raise awareness, like I didn't know the initial um, I suppose, symptoms of breast cancer. We all get told it's a lump, but at my age, you know, you're not really, I suppose, at 37, you're not sort of checking, you know, for the, it's not on your radar of something no, that you should be looking for. Usually if you, you find a lump, you think, oh, it's a cyst or it's hormonal or um, it's something more to do with that than I not even did it cross my mind, um, like the word breast cancer come to mind. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was, um, and the biggest thing for me is I didn't feel different. Like a lot of people even now say, oh, you don't look sick, you still look so It's like I don't feel any different. Um, so I suppose if you want me, I can go into what the, so the symptoms were. Um, yeah, yeah, and also yeah. what what is that kind of cancer? Because there's yeah. a few different yeah. ones, right? Yeah, so I, it started uh last year um so probably around this time actually last year we we're in lockdown sort of coming into sort of the summer months so obviously we're out and about more um I felt on a couple of occasions like a sharp pain in my left breast so it was like not like a pain like a muscle soreness or anything it was a sharp short sharp pain that lasted for maybe five to ten minutes and it was something that I was like oh that feels a bit odd um and you know I remember speaking to girlfriends because another girlfriend was having a cyst removed and she's like, oh, you should go get that checked. Like maybe, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Back then, well, back last year, if you remember like doctor's appointments, they were all like Zoom or they had to do telehealth. Not a lot of doctors would want to see you face to face. Yeah, and you'd have to go and get a test first and yeah. you have to wait two days yeah. to get the results. Yeah, it was, just, yeah, it was, it was just one of those, oh, it'd be fine. Um, and then it was probably like Feb, March or so, I started to feel, um, notice a lump. Mm didn't really pay, it's just a cyst, it's just hormonal, like um, it'll be fine. Then it started to get like bigger and it started to get quite painful in the fact where in the gym, say if you had to do anything where I had to lay on my chest. So I was coaching at that time and I remember having to like go through warm-up where you're doing like scorpions or like hand release push-ups, anything on my chest was really quite painful. Oh, wow. So it was at that point um, in June, I made the doctor's appointment. Um, <laughs> so I'd just moved to the Northern Beaches. So it was a new doctor. Um, when I saw her, had she did um, a check and then she gave me a um, referral to a mammogram and an ultrasound. 
me being me, something else came up. The dog got sick. So I didn't take, I didn't go to the mammogram until probably two, three weeks later um, mm. because it was quite, it was an initial outlay of cost mm. that you know, a, a chunk at the start, even though you got money back. But I was just oh, like, that's not covered by Medicare or anything. It's covered, but you still had to, where I went, had to pay an upfront cost. Oh, right. So for the mammogram, I think, and ultrasound alone, it was something like $500. And then when I was sitting there, they're like, they need said, oh, we should take a biopsy today. So the biopsy, I think, cost me an extra $200 or 250 when I was there. So it was an outlay of $750, yeah. which, yes, I did get most back, but still that portion of money I had to put out, lay out. Yeah, um, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money for, for a lot of, like, young I oh, God, say, not many 20-year-olds would have been like, yeah, here you go. Like, young females living in, like, Bondi, Northern Beaches, oh like you don't have a lot of spare cash to throw around. <laughs> and yeah. if you do, you're not going to spend it, like, unfortunately, on something like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, got that. That was on a Tuesday. Pretty much by the Thursday I had a missed call but didn't answer it. On the Friday I had a call from the doctor saying, we need to see you today. Um, I'd made an appointment the following week um, to go see them. How did you feel in that moment? Well, that was, I know I remember calling my mum and just being like, I'm sure it's fine, but I'm a little bit worried because they've obviously called me in to come early. Um, So it was a little bit in the back of my mind, like it'll be fine, but I knew something wasn't obviously going to be good Mm. from that. But still, even then I didn't think cancer. I honestly didn't think. Oh, really? No. And it wasn't until like it was a complete shock going in there. Um, and like I went alone, <laughs> went and sat there and to be told. Um, so at that stage, they had just told me I had an invasive carcinoma, which as you can imagine, like you're sitting there, I had no idea. I was in shock. I was like, okay, so it's cancer. Um, she just went through, we have to make you an appointment with a specialist on Monday. So this happened on a Friday. It pretty much the whole month of July feels like a blur because it was just appointment, test after appointment, just rolling into one. So when I first went to the surgical oncologist, because that's where you start, so Mm. I learned all of this, you have like a medical team. So when you first get diagnosed, you'll usually get put onto a surgeon straight away and then they will assess it from there. Um, So pretty much the first week I had a doctor's appointment, I had an MRI, I had another ultrasound, another biopsy of my auxiliary nodes, which are like your lymph nodes underneath the armpit. Then I had a PET scan. PET scan is similar to a CT scan, but it's where they put the the dye through your body um, and then put you in the machine and anything that's cancerous or will glow. Um, so from that first week, they just said to me, we, we think we've caught it early. It's just stage two, possibly stage three. So we're going to need you to have like your chemo, like chemo is going to be pretty much the main um, part of treatment. And we're going to do it because you're young, you're fit, you're healthy, your body can, I suppose, afford to take on that higher load of toxicity. Um, what they're trying to do is obviously kill it. And as we know with chemo, what it not only kills the cancer cells, it also kills the healthy cells. Mm. So that's why people get so sick. Um, So that was in the first week that I was told that. A whole heap of 
tests happen from there. So um, there's a lot of like clinical trials, which is really great here in Australia. We have lots of trials um, of different um, drugs. So whether you may, if you get onto that trial is great because you get, you know, not more treatment, but you get, you know, your care because they want to make sure, you know, the trial is working. Um, so I was possibly eligible for a trial um, of a new immunotherapy drug. Mm. How do they choose who gets to go on the trial? You have to have really um, set criteria to be on a trial. So mine was like the right type of cancer, the right size, I was the right age. Um, so it was all looking good to get on this trial. Mm. Um, the one factor, though, they came back with the PET scan. Um, and with the PET scan, like I said, cancer cells glow. Um, they noticed on my hip um, and my spine, on, on my bones, that it was slightly glowing, but they weren't quite 100% sure. So what that meant is to be on this trial, they had to make sure because otherwise, you know, they can't have anything um, in between. So I had to go have a bone biopsy. Um, so that in itself, like I said, never been to hospital, to go into hospital. Um, the actual procedure, like a lot of people said, oh, that sorry, you must hurt. Well, clearly I didn't feel it because they put that much local <laughs> in, my, in my butt, in my left butt cheek. Um, but what that left is my leg didn't like move for nearly up to 12 hours because they had put that much local oh in it. Oh my God, that would be so scary. Was, so that was scary because I was never been to hospital and they're like, we have to keep you overnight because we can't let you leave until we know. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty, um, that was a big sort of wake up, like mm. that this is sort of real, like you don't just take bone biopsies just because mm. um and then so that again was on a Friday um I got the call on I had an appointment on the Wednesday when they came back with the results and this is I suppose the changing moment where I was sat down they said well they literally didn't expect it but the bone biopsy came back positive for cancer so that means that I went from what they call a stage three where it's stage three is where it's only just spread slightly outside where the original cancer cells were well this has gone for my breast the cancer cells have now gone down into my hip and my spine so that means metastatic um is what they call it now but it's stage four so a lot of people would know it as stage four so stage four is there is no cure currently <laughs> There's no cure. Um, it means that they can't get rid of the cancer completely from my body. Um, it means that my whole treatment would change. So in initially in the, those early stages, they think chemotherapy because they'll just go in and they'll kill it at the site and then they'll, you know, remove whatever cells might be left, like dead cells. Um, but because mine's now spread to my hip and my spine, the treatment changes so um and all through all through this like I, I feel fine like I, I feel totally fine I would have no idea if they didn't do that PET scan I would have no idea mm. um and that's also something to point out with you know technology now is that they never used to do these PET scans it used to be just a CT scan mm. so with that they wouldn't have picked this up they would have treated me as a stage two or three 
yeah. chemo and then that that wouldn't have probably completely killed um everything i just would have got really really sick mm-hmm. um so yeah modern technologies <laughs> it yeah, wow. yeah and at the time it felt like the, the process was really slow, mm-hmm. although yeah, everything was happening quite fast. As in, it felt like, oh gosh, another test. I've got to wait another three days for a result. But in hindsight, looking back, like they do everything they can to make sure they come out of it. You come out with the right treatment that's right for you. So, um, yeah, it was a whirlwind of you know four weeks. Yeah, what was going through your head, like sitting there waiting for the test results? the best description is and even even to a point now is that i feel still pretty numb yeah numb like i, I and people like you're doing so well you think it's like me as a person i, I don't know what else I'm, what am i supposed to be meant to do mm. like it's just i'll just sort of get on with it it's like yeah it's like you know i i still feel good so i still you know look good so why not you know yeah. i'm trying to and I suppose that's also something that just as human beings, we crave that, um, you know, routine and, um, you know, a bit of control. That's one thing I feel um, probably the hardest thing is the lack of control, I should say, mm. is, you know, you're being told, oh, you need to go to an appointment here. You need to take this. You need to do this. Like all of it now, your whole life revolves around cancer. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's that's not awesome. something... Yeah, I never thought I would, no, not a million years would I ever think I'd be sitting in this position. No. Oh, my God. I can't even <laughs> imagine being, like, getting that diagnosis. It must be just, like, I understand how you feel, like, the yeah. death feel numb because I think that's a, a big, um, like, a response, like a defence mechanism kind of mm-hmm. from the body to just, like, this is just too much. I can't deal with it right now. And also because you are so well like we just went to your big um like at the fundraiser that your gym held a few weeks ago and like you you were jumping around so happy like talking to everyone doing the workouts smashing it as always like there's not a in no in a, like not in a million years I would have looked at you and be like she's she has cancer like yeah and I suppose this is where um I would love to I suppose educate people more mm. um because the one thing that I have found is obviously young fit women out there um, who are getting diagnosed, unfortunately, like younger and younger with, um, you know, metastatic disease. So whether it's, um, you know, whether it's breast cancer or cervical cancer, um, you know, there's a lot more I'm finding in younger females um, that are fit and healthy. Mm. Um, So I suppose it just shows that it really doesn't discriminate. Um, Mm. But there are obviously benefits of that the fact that I am fit and strong mm. because it means that I will be well supported through treatment. So wow. yeah, for yeah. Sure. So, so does this mean that you have to get treatment now for the rest of your life? Yes. So I'm kind of and that's the thing um I think a lot of people are still like to wrap their head around. Mm. So the cancer I have this meta metastatic or stage four means that um yeah, it's ongoing treatment. So obviously I'm on treatment now. I'm on my second, about to start my third month. Um, So with breast cancer, you can have different, there's three types. Obviously mine is, um, mine is estrogen positive. 
which okay. means that, um, well, as we know, females produce, everyone, males and females produce estrogen. Um, my cancer grew fed off estrogen, which in itself is like so like mind-blowing is that the human bodies as a female my own body was working against me to make this cancer grow. So my my growth was at um, it was at a sixty percent growth rate. So it was growing very fast. Wow. Um, so if anyone knows a cancer cell, they don't know when to switch off. So that's why they grow. They the cells just keep um, doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling. Oh. So so what they've done. So with the estrogen, they pretty much have. I suppose, gotten rid of it from my body. So I'm in, at 37, I've been put into early menopause. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Have you noticed like any changes in your yeah. mood, sex oh, drive, stuff yeah. like that? All of it, all of it. I'm a 37-year-old menopausal woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, no joke. <laughs> Like so, so, yeah, mood swings. The, the first five nights of my treatment, the hot flushes, like I honestly felt like I was on fire and I was sweating, like the night sweats. I was so sweaty. Oh, my God. Um, and even now, like I'll just be sitting and I'll be like, oh, geez, I'm really warm. And then I realise, oh, yeah, that's a hot flush. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So coming from that, I'm on treatment. Um, so I'm on treatment for that. So they had to shut, they had to, I suppose, induce menopause into me. Yeah. So I get an injection called Zolidex every month, which um, suppresses my ovaries. Mm. So my ovaries no longer produce estrogen. Um, and then also I've seen your adrenals, they shut down my estrogen, which is through a tablet every night. So every, every, every day I have to take a tablet. Um, so as you know, what estrogen does for your body, so that's obviously been taken away. So um, main side effects are obviously like achy joints. I've noticed like my like achy knees, achy hips. Um, they're probably the big ones other than the obviously the, the old um, night sweats and <laughs> hot flushes. Um, but that's probably um, the main two with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I take a tablet and then I also take another injection. Um, I get another injection once a month called Exgeva, which is for bone density. So mm, <laughs> so they want to make my bones really, really strong because obviously I have cancer in my bones. Yeah. So um, they want to make them really strong so then the cancer can't spread anymore. Mm. But also on the flip side, the side effects of the drugs I'm taking for the estrogen is brittle bones. Mm. So it's like counterintuitive. You've got to have one. You can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing that they can do that though. Oh, it's so amazing. And I was even explaining, or so I had to go get bloods taken today. Um, and the lady asked me, the lady taking my bloods, she said, Oh, so you on um chemotherapy? And I said, No, I'm on what's called targeted therapy. And even she, she's like, Oh, I haven't heard of that before. And so, so it is really? a newer style of drug that I'm taking to for the cancer. Mm. so it's an oral therapy so I take tablets um three weeks on one week off 
Um, so the benefit is that is that I can, you know, live a pretty relatively normal life. I don't have to go into hospital every week, you know, for treatment. I can do treatment from home. So, um, and that's one of the things I suppose with metastatic that they're, they're trying to improve is obviously your, um, you know, quality of life, mm-hmm. um, you know, because at this stage, like, I mean, you don't want to talk about timeframes, but they haven't sort of given... You know, you can ask the question, but it, there, like I said, there is no cure. So I'm going to be on some form of treatment forever. Mm. Um, so they start off with what's called I'm on my first line of treatment. So the, the only way I will change from this is, say, down the track, my body starts not responding to this treatment, they'll switch me to something else. So chemo could be a possibility down the track. I was just going to ask, would well, it ever yeah. be on that? Yeah. Yeah. So say, sorry, the garbage. <laughs> Um, so say if, um, it gets out of control, Mm. which hopefully it doesn't, they may need to put chemo in for a short stint to try and control it. Mm. Um, but that's why I'm having such like regular tests, like blood tests and doctor's appointment. And I have this PET scan. I'll have one of those every three months. Mm. So it's a lot though. It's a lot. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> insane. And what about like I can imagine a lot of listeners like can you can you have kids? No, not biological. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um that's a that's uh, I suppose something I probably haven't even unpacked myself yet. Mm. Um yeah, the fact that from going into yeah, menopause pretty much, yeah. And even um even surrogates, like for me holding a child, I can't because of the estrogen and stuff needed. Yeah. Um, so that in itself, I suppose, is something that isn't spoken about a lot either um, with people, you know, young females and, um, you know, this type of cancer because having to go into early menopause means mm. I wasn't even there's a obviously backtrack from that I was I did go initially in the first week or two weeks when I found out I did go in and have an IVF consultation because at that stage I wasn't stage four and we were going to rush through and do IVF and freeze eggs there was a not there was a window to do that um and then I was pretty much told the same appointment where I was told it was in my bones my doctor said we you're pretty much putting your own life at risk mm. you go and do this because yes with IVF they inject you with estrogen to build yeah so I'd literally be yeah injecting myself with something that is causing my cancer to grow so it's just I'm learned like I'm still learning so much myself mm. um and yeah I'm just now I'm in my second month of treatment is trying to get back into that routine and control and um really when I say control like controlling the things I can so one of those is my training my diet you know um the things that I you know my sleep all of those things which you know we are we are humans we love that routine I'm really trying to be a stickler to those because it just it's making me feel better knowing that I have some control over things yeah of course and like I just think that that you're so strong for being able to take this, like such a, like hearing something like this and that you're diagnosed with something that there's no cure for at the moment. Like hopefully 
there will be soon like there's so much research and there's so much money going into especially breast cancer as well and I I really hope so but it's just like you you had every chance to just be like okay life's fucked like this is something Mm -hmm. that there's no cure for you could literally could have just like laid down like there's so many people who are just taking this as a reason to like give up on life and just eat shit and do whatever because they're like I'm not gonna live anywhere blah, blah, blah you know like how how has your how how did you do that like yeah. <laughs> how it, did you um, not do that like lay down and just feel like fuck this I think I've always been a pretty resilient person like uh you know I've moved states on my you know I'm quite independent and strong that way don't get me wrong there's been times during this where it has been really really hard mm. um I think the biggest thing for me which might people might think silly is having to take the tablet every day mm. because that's something that you know it's like fuck I just want to enjoy myself I don't want to have to I want to be spontaneous and go off somewhere and do things but if I don't have my tablets, I need them. So yeah, that constant yeah, reminder. Yeah, it's not there. like forgetting the pill, or it's not like forgetting, you know, your toothbrush or something mm. like that. Mm. I can't just go to the shop and pick them up. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, but I don't think it's ever been in my nature or my mindset to ever just give up and you know not keep on doing it. And that's why I kind of say it's like well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know anything different than getting up and just getting on with it. Um, Yeah, and, you know, if I'm riding the wave now, and I think it's definitely put in perspective what's important in life Mm. and, um, you know, we all, even for yourself, I know you're making that decision about moving soon Um, and it's like life's too short to not Mm. do, you know, what you love and a lot of people say, oh, I can't afford it. Like, it's like some things don't require money to be able to do it. And even if they do, it's like you don't want to sit there and think, oh, I should have done it. Like, you know, I wish I had travelled earlier. But now it's like, well, now I have a reason. I said I need to do those things because I said I want to do them. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's definitely put life into perspective. I can't even say it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, yeah, I think it's just I can't even explain it because exactly that people say you're looking so good and it's like, well, I don't expect, I don't know what I should look like. Obviously Mm. I've shaved my head but (laughs) that was a big change, yeah. But that for me, again, um, I was told that I was going to have chemotherapy so I was just like, that's okay, I'll just shave my head. It doesn't matter um even then, just doing that is like massive yeah like I I know this cannot compare at all but as you know like I just yeah. had my extensions out like a few weeks ago and I took them out and I was like oh I feel so ugly and like that was like nothing and just such, such a vain thing and I was thinking like Ellen fucking shut up like you literally cannot complain you put yourself in this decision position like look again she's rocking a shaved head and she's stunning like not right (laughs) I think it's all relative though like I can relate like then um you know even as girlfriends and stuff like that if something happened like if I have to put myself back in their shoes so to speak if I was told that they were sick or unwell how would I react Mm. um and for a lot of people as well and I totally get that that a lot of people just don't know what to say Mm. that's okay as well it's like, you know, not every, 
gosh, we don't come across it. Like that's why I'm, I suppose, trying to change that narrative of how we can be so open with how we're feeling. Um, and I suppose one thing I want to touch on is the whole people like just be positive, it'll be okay type thing. I think yeah. um, a reality check for people is like just let people sometimes feel like shit and that's also okay. Absolutely. Yeah, so even like, and I say not just my situation, but in any situation where we think, oh, we must be positive because that's the only way. It's like you can, like I'm, I know I'm positive, but I'm also allowed to say this is really fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't want to do it today. And yeah. and that's, that's okay. As well. And that's life. It's like it might be for the same for yourself. It's like I just don't want to do it today and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, a lot of like saying that someone is like you're so positive all the time you're so happy all the time like yeah that is a nice thing to say yeah also when you are the person on the receiving end who always hears you're so positive you're so happy you're so strong it's like when you're not strong happy positive then you feel like shit because you feel like yeah i'm not living up to my identity anymore yeah i feel you 100 percent with that so that's um that's also yeah trying to understand and I know it shouldn't be most to understand people where they're coming from I think some people which I'm learning is some people just don't don't know what to say or don't know how to react and that's that is an easy coping mechanism Mm. not for you but for them if they feel like they're positive and they think you're positive then that helps them feel better Mm. and um yeah, I'm trying to get trying to get used to that, that sometimes like it's just that's just how they need to be. And if that's how they want to be, then I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone's always just they're trying to be acting from like a positive intention, I guess. Yeah. But what is like something that you have appreciated from your friends and, and family? Like what what is something that if you know someone who has been diagnosed with cancer or going through something really hard, like how can you best support those people? Yeah, it's interesting because I've obviously got, I'm so grateful I've got a huge, I suppose, network of friends, which I sometimes didn't realise I had that many, like, people around me to support me. Mm. Um, for me, it's the little things. It's like, um, you know, a girlfriend just, rather than saying how are you, it's like how do you sleep, being a bit more specific with things or, um, you know, a cup of coffee without even, you know, asking or, or food, just those little things. Mm. Um, recently I went away with some friends and they took me away for the weekend um, because, you know, for them they, they couldn't donate money but for them to give me a weekend away as an experience type thing. Um, so I think also with friends it's I have been quite I think I've been quite good at like setting my boundaries as well. What I, what I can and can't take Mm. um, in terms of, you know, meeting in the middle with them as well. Um, Cause I know it's not like, I do have to think about myself, which is sometimes hard about being a bit, you know, more selfish. It's not even selfish. It's just like, I have to put myself first. Mm. Um, should be selfish. We all should be selfish. Yeah, we should be. But yeah, I think it's setting those boundaries with our intentions of what um, we need. And the one thing was, which I've said to my friends is like, that you don't always have to be the positive person type Mm. thing. Like, I think that's kind of helped me as well. So I, I have, and that's just my personality. I've really loved it when people have come up and said, you know what, Jen, it's really shit, 
it's just really shit news. And I'm like, thank you. It is. (laughs) So it's, um, yeah, it's the little things I think that is that have helped me. Um, it can get a little bit overwhelming and daunting when everyone, you know, everyone's like checking in on you, how you're feeling and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so a big thing for me, if anyone, I'm, I made a group group chat with all of like, because I've obviously got friends in Adelaide, friends in Melbourne, friends here. So I put them everyone in a big WhatsApp chat and just did one big update. And then, you know, that way, otherwise I felt like I was, having to, you know, reach out to so many people. And I know I don't have to, but my initial is like, oh, I need to talk to this person, that person, this yeah, person. Of course. So um, that's a really good idea, actually, yeah. instead of having to send the same story to like, yeah, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've just got a little, like, support crew, um, yeah, um, WhatsApp chat, so I can just sort of put it all in one place. And obviously I'm not saying my friends don't message me individually. Oh, no, no. It's just, like, for big updates. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to have um, another scan soon, so I'll probably update everyone in that rather than individually as well. Mm. And I've seen you've been really active on your social Mm -hmm. media as well with posting and um, doing videos and stuff and stuff like that and explaining. And I think, like, I found that so helpful because I, fuck, like, normal people (laughs) don't have a clue. Like, I just thought it was one type of cancer and that's the same. Everyone got the same thing in the the breast. Yeah. But um how what's the feedback been on that it's been like oh, the amount of um comments and like i said people reaching out has been oh, i don't know it just makes me in a way like no I'm, I'm really proud really proud that like i've built a community that's um so supportive mm-hmm. and so genuine um and i think that's just how i am at, am as a person as in sharing this like you say i just it's really easy for me to talk openly about it. Mm. Um, and whether that's probably also for me, it helps me digest what is actually going on. And also, yeah, looking at on the other foot, if someone, I didn't know, I don't know half of these things as well. I'm still learning. Mm. Um, so that's one thing that I do plan to do more videos and more updates for people because um, it's much easier for people to understand rather than just reading it um, or seeing it. Like actually me speaking about it, I think is mm. a lot more powerful um, in being able to, I suppose, yeah, share because, you know, I've looked on Facebook and I still can't find a decent support group for women like under 40 um, with metastatic breast cancer. They were either, yeah, so that's something maybe, maybe I'll start it myself. Who knows? <laughs> well, you know what? You're the right person for it. <laughs> no, it's been so nice to see. Like, I remember when you told me, like, before you kind of made a big post and stuff about it. And I, I like, obviously, I was sad and I was really worried about you, but I just knew because of who you are that you would, like, you'd be able to get through this. Like, I know that you're so strong. And yeah, like, you don't have to be positive and strong every single day, but I know that that's your core. Yeah. But we're all, we're all going to have shit days as well. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, it's, um, I don't, yeah, I know that in a way, I know it's all going to be like fine. I'm not sort of, but I'm also not, I don't know, it's in a weird way, I'm not worried or scared about what the future holds because I know that I'm going to make the most of. Mm. especially now make the most of everything so um yeah obviously within reason but definitely definitely gonna start writing out my bucket list for travel and you know um things I want to want to do 
um, things that I probably thought I could, you know, wait and wait and do later. It's like, why wait? Do them now. So yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely changed my mindset in that sense. What are some of the things that are on your bucket list? Well, I've recently um, definitely Italy. Italy. I've never been, so I definitely want to go. Um, You'd love the food there. I can imagine you there. Yeah. Anywhere warm. So let's just say that anywhere warm where it's above, you know, say 20, doesn't get below 20 degrees, um, sort of there at nighttime, that is. Um, I want to go swimming with the whale sharks over in WA. Um, definitely some more like outdoor adventure type things. Um, unfortunately, there's turf games coming up soon, which I would have loved to have done with the team, but um, I haven't been training enough recently. I've been training, but not enough for that. So um, who knows? Next year I might put some little fitness goals um, up and about, but I haven't made my decision just yet. Oh, they sound really good, though. I love all the traveling and getting around, trying new things. and. Bali. Bali, yes. <laughs> no, I love that you like that you're not letting something like this hold you back and that you are still really making the most of it. Because I think that's the way you're gonna have like this is literally this is how we all should be thinking. Like we're all here on like a kind of like a borrowed time mm-hmm. sort of. Like I could leave my apartment today and get hit by a car and die. Like you don't you, I have no idea. Yeah. And that's I think that's a really good point because a lot of people said I know it sounds more, but any of us could die at any moment. Yeah. It's just mine has been, you know, it's something that has been laid in front of me where it's kind of like in the back of my mind, like a, not, a, not a due date or anything like that, but it's kind of does put that. But if we all lived that exact mindset, we'd be doing a lot more things than probably what we're doing right now. Mm, absolutely. And kind of like, Every, I think that a lot of people are so stressed and they're just like going from day to day and they're like, oh my God, how the, how is it already Thursday? Like, what have I done this week? Because <laughs> we're, we're just so living in the future and thinking about all the things that we don't have and all the things that we haven't done yet that we forget to just appreciate what we actually have in front of us. So right. I, I can imagine something like this will really be like a wake up call, like fucking wake up and start appreciating in your life right now. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, yeah, it's a... It's a different, it's still a different thing to get your head around, but yeah, definitely making the most of, you know, but even just the most of like the little mundane things. Mm. In like, like I said, just getting back to routine has been really nice. Mm. Um, so it's appreciating, yeah, all, all the big things, but the little moments in between as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, love that. So what's next for you? What's next on the agenda? Next on the agenda, it's my birthday coming up soon. Um, so going to celebrate with a week in Byron. Ooh, very nice. nice. Get some sunshine. Um, I'm actually, I haven't so said, I'm actually looking at joining um, Surf Life Saving Club again. If no it's, way, that's yeah, so cool. Something I did as a teenager um, and I've sort of had it on my list of things to do. And I was actually going to do it before I got diagnosed. And then um, when I got diagnosed, I was just like, oh, I don't want to commit to anything because I'm not sure. But now we sort of know where it's at. Um, Yeah, um, there's some people at the gym who are members. So hopefully going to um, get involved there. So a new community to get involved with. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about getting back down the beach on a regular basis. And, um, yeah, just things like that 
which, you know, probably would be like whatever, but I really want to, yeah, have a dig this year. Oh, I love that. I just love that you're so like, no, I want to do this, I want to do that, I'm going to do this, and like you're not letting anything hold you back. No. And obviously, and like, while, I'm, while I'm still, you know, <coughs> able, I'm definitely, yeah, like I said, going to make the most of that because I suppose that's the one thing I, I don't know. Like I have these three monthly checks. Hmm. Um, so until, you know, just like I said, ride the wave, ride the wave until we have that one. If that's all good, then we just ride another three months and then hmm. keep going that way. So when is your next check? Uh, I will have next month. So October, I'll have my three month scans and then it'll be every three months after that. So I have a bloods and doctor's appointment every month. So they have certain um, biomarkers that they check in my bloods each time. And then um, every three months is the PET scan. So the PET scan is the the one that I had at the start that's like the CT scan, but the die through. Um, so, yeah, hopefully from that we will see. What we're hoping for, I suppose, is that um, the tumour, well, I definitely know the tumour in my breast from the treatment has um I suppose shrunk. It's I can't feel. Oh, really? It. You can tell already. Yeah, you. It was getting quite hard and sore, mm. um, but it's shrunk. And then hopefully we'll see just that it's stabilized, that it hasn't spread anymore, that it's just where it should be. That's great. Well, it should be there at all, but you know what I yeah. mean. <laughs> <laughs> there was never talk about having like surgery to get it removed. No, so the surgery wasn't where it was and the size of it. So um, when I was first diagnosed, it was a four by three centimetre lump. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's huge. Yeah. So when I went into the doctor, the first I met with a surgical oncologist and he said, because I'd been to the GP and she gave me the diet, he said, so what do you remember? Because clearly he would have said, he goes, he would have known that I probably didn't remember much. And I said, oh, I know that I've got a invasive carcinoma. And he said, how big do you think it is? And I was like, oh, like this big, like, you know, two by two. And he's like, no, it's like four by three. So like more like this, this. So, and I could, yeah, you could start to see it um, actually in my, in my breast. So they were never going to do, even if it was stage two or three, they were never going to do surgery first. They were going to do, chemo to shrink it and then they would they would possibly do surgery at the end to remove any um I suppose cells that may still be there (coughs) yeah but now surgery because it's um like I said it's in my hip my spine I didn't actually say it's actually also I got it also in my lymph nodes in my chest as well so um it's now in three spots so there's um surgery isn't I suppose necessary unless it was mm. like because if they re- there's no point removing it from the breast because it's still in the lung mm. like the lung lymph nodes and it's still in the bones so mm. um that's why surgery and this is all this stuff which also I didn't know like there's so many different variables to treatment it's mm. not just this way or that way um there's so many different factors um and that's why they do all the tests so another test I didn't say that I had was um a lung lymph node like biopsy so uh, I was asleep for that one because they put a tube up your nose down your throat oh yeah 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 so um yeah like I said I have not been poked and prodded in a hospital ever 
So it was a very different experience. Whole new experience for you. Yeah. God, that is crazy. Yeah. Well, Jen, it's been so nice to have you on and thank you so much for being so open with everything. Um, <clears throat> if people want to get in contact with you, um, are you still do you still have your GoFundMe page? Yes, yes. We still, um, gosh, we're at over 90% of what we had hoped for. So, um, yeah, so I've got a GoFundMe page, which was set up by my girlfriends. Um, initially, it was to cover, like, big medical costs, which will be still the case, but it's now obviously ongoing. So um, we don't know what treatment I may need in the future. So it's um, kind of like a little safeguard um, for me, if anything major comes up um, and obviously ongoing treatments, I've got to pay for medication every month. So I actually think it's insane that Australia doesn't pay for that. Yeah, well, a lot of it, <laughs> I didn't. So the drug that I'm on um, for the cancer is actually subsidized by the PBS. So I pay $40. It, it costs yeah. for one month. It's five and a half thousand dollars. What? So it does get subsidised, yeah. Oh, my God. Blew my mind when they told me that. So I carry those tablets very carefully around with me. It's yeah. in my car. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's insane. So this is like this. So it, this drug has only been covered by the PBS for the last, I think, six months. So no. it's quite a, it was on a clinical trial to start and then now it's and only should mention this is only a drug used in only stage four at this stage. They're trialling it now in stage three and hopefully that can then get on the PBS, which means people will be able to afford to use it because right now if someone wanted it, they wouldn't be able to afford it. And if they can, good on them. God, who can afford that? That is absolutely (laughs) That's per month, yeah. So 21 because it's a, yeah, I take three times. The packet costs $5,500, but I don't pay that. I Thank for God. <laughs> I know. I would not be on that drug if it that much. Let's just say that. That is absolutely insane. I have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah. So the, um, yeah, the GoFundMe page is the best place. I know. Trying to do, again, post some video updates on there for everyone um, to see what's going on because, yeah, it, I suppose we'll just keep the, the GoFundMe there, I suppose, forever. It's just kind of a little, little mm. thing. Mm. Yeah, it's been so nice to see like the whole community just getting around you and yeah. like every time I like especially when I was away when I first found out like every time someone shared something I was always like oh tearing up. It's just <laughs> it's just so nice to see yeah. how like, how nice people actually can be. Yeah. Because there's so much like evil and awful things happening in the world. So sometimes it's just nice to see it. it's actually good people out there. Yeah. And I think, like I said, the, the community we're in, the fitness community, mm. really rally behind their own. Yeah. They really get behind anyone that they know or have seen, you know, uh, and all the, you know, it's not competition, it's not gym against gym, it's like everyone work together mm. for, for one cause. It's Yeah, it's really nice to see. Love that. Yeah. So nice. Well, we'll tag your Instagram um, below as well. So, guys, if you want to read more, about Jen's story or hear about it or reach out to her just make sure to go go there um if you like this episode please make sure that you screenshot it you tag Jen you tag myself you tag Women's Fitness Academy um and yeah we'd love to hear your thoughts and connect with you and Jen thank you again so much for coming on it's been so interesting and I'm hoping that it's helped a lot of people I'm sure it will definitely I've definitely learned a lot I didn't know <laughs> 
<laughs> thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Of course, of course. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye.